made it to the midweek. We're just a few sleeps away from the SEC opener. Zach Blackerby on the left. I'm Brad Law. And uh, boy, Zach, really positive news out of practice Tuesday that the long list of guys on injury watch, the majority of them were practicing in some capacity. And yes. if they weren't practicing by Tuesday, you know, your chances to play in the game go down significantly. So positive news right out of the gate. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the first one that a lot of people noticed was Nehemiah Pritch at the corner. Now, he's been practicing for a few weeks and, and hasn't mm -hmm. played yet. So, you know, we'll see. It does sound like Nehemiah will, will play against Texas A&M on Saturday. And then other guys, Donovan Kaufman, talked to folks that have talked to Kaufman. He's expecting to be ready to go on Saturday, which is huge. And then the offensive lineman, that's yeah. probably the biggest outside of the defensive backs, yeah. uh, is you need these offensive linemen. Both Cam Stutz and Xavion Miller were practicing on Tuesday. The Stutz one makes sense. Miller, that, that injury looked a little bit more serious to me. Yeah. But the fact that he was out there on Tuesday is a good sign. Completely agree. Cam Stutz is the guy that uh, I think of the two. Uh, Coach Freeze said Monday in his presser, he kind of sets the tone. He's yeah. the guy that was mauling people uh, in the Cal game and you know one of the leaders on this team. And as you look at the Texas A&M defensive line, I look at the interior of the defensive line, 6'4", 290, and 6'2", There's some pretty big guys out there that yeah. those interior linemen are going to have to create some space against or hold them up in this offense. So Cam, I think, is the guy that everybody's looking number one, certainly offensively, maybe number one overall on that injury watch for this weekend. Yeah, of course, I think Donovan Kaufman is more important now because of the Keontae Scott news, Keontae Scott missing time. So Donovan Kaufman's certainly towards the top of the list Yeah, for sure. And then is Avion Miller, too. Look, A&M people, and really SEC people, they love Fidel Diggs. Right, super talented guy. I think he was a five-star. Regardless, he's very, very good. He's very, very talented, very, very physically gifted. But hasn't been productive this yeah. year. 48 pass rush attempts, just four pressures. That's not a good ratio. And none of them have been a sack. They've been either pressures or hurries or quarterback hits. But he hasn't actually come down with a sack yet. And that's a guy that you would need mm -hmm. to do that if you're Texas A&M. And we've been hyping up this Texas A&M front seven. And I think it's valid. I think it's worth it, but they haven't been as great as they are like talented. Right. And I think you could say the same with some of Auburn's players too. Sure. But Texas A&M's big thing is like, we're going to get four and five stars. We're going to get really good classes. We're going to pay everyone. It's going to be great. And then when Jimbo's asked about, it, he's going to get mad, which is a weird thing. It's legal now. It's not, yeah. it's, it's, it's okay. Um, and then they're not going to be as good as they could be elsewhere. Like that That's the consistent theme that we've seen. So what version of this defensive line are we going to see? Walter Nolan's another big guy who plays his three techniques uh, for, for Texas a &M. They play him on both sides of the defensive line. He's played some end as well. Big dude, very, very aggressive. And like you need Cam Stutz to block him, right? Because yeah. that push went away against Sanford when Cam Stutz left. And so... Uh, I, I'm with you. Cam Sutton should be towards the top of the list. You know, Diggs is a guy, going back to him, he forced two fumbles in the Alabama game. He had six tackles, three tackles for loss. 
I'm not as familiar with what he did the, the rest of the season, mm-hmm. but that kind of feels like a game where you would make a name for yourself and a game where you would raise expectations for yourself going forward. Um, similarly, Jalen McLeod is another guy for Auburn who's on that injury watch that uh, raised his profile against mm-hmm. Texas A&M yeah. last year in College Station. He forced two fumbles in the ball game, two tackles for loss. He really created pressure. And, um, you know, both of these teams have, have gotten turnovers. Both of these teams have also given the ball away. Texas A&M has been susceptible to giving the ball away. They're at a minus one turnover margin through the first three games of the year against New Mexico, Miami, and Louisiana Monroe. So mm-hmm. Jalen McLeod, if he is healthy, is a guy that, you know, you're going to see trying to do that again. And you freeze said Monday, it'd be huge to get a couple of turnovers in this game on the road against a team that on paper in the recruiting rankings is more talented. Yeah. Yeah. And Jalen McLeod was seen at practice yeah. on Tuesday. Other questionable guys, Jarquez Hunter was as well. Luke Deal was as well. Yeah. And um, there's another one, Javaris Johnson, who didn't yeah. work Stanford, the receiver. He will, uh, he was out there. So, I mean, that's actually shocking to me because some of them seemed worse than that. So if all of those guys play and you're only missing Keontae Scott, suddenly I feel a lot better about Saturday, Brad. Yep, completely agree. I I think every – and I do think there's a sense, don't you, of, all right, well, this is conference play. I'm I'm needed. We had a chance to go and make a statement and set a course for what the season is going to be with this game. You're not keeping me off the field. I do think – there exists on this team, this competitive edge, this fire, this, all right, it's conference play. I'm playing. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get on the field. Yeah, and a lot of these guys are upperclassmen, not necessarily guys that transferred in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jalen McLeod transferred in. But a lot of these guys are like, no, this is what I've been working for. Uh, you're going into a, you're going into conference play with a coach that's actually going to give you a chance to succeed. Yeah. At least that's what they believe in. And so we'll certainly see if that happens on Saturday. But I don't think they want to waste it. And I also don't think they want to let their teammates down, too. I think there's some yeah. kind of, you know, camaraderie aspect. This team seems close, which is certainly a good thing. So, yeah. uh, w- what's your gut on Cam Stutz and his Avion Miller? Do you think they play on Saturday? I think Cam plays. I'm less confident that that Azavian plays. I yeah. just, again, with no inside info, that's just watching this past Saturday, mm-hmm. The and you mentioned it before, the injury to Tutal looked more serious than the injury to Cam, and so yeah, uh, yeah. That now, yeah. Having said that, if for you ask me my gut feeling, I'll actually answer. I expect both to play. I expect both to give it a go. I expect Cam to be able to go maybe longer or be more productive than Isaiah. Yeah. Okay. I got you. I got you. You ready for stat time, Brad? Uh, almost. Yeah. Let okay. me, I, I do want to ask you this question. I'm anxious. I'm All eager right. to get into stat time. I'm so and sorry. And I am too. And everybody else should be too, because you've worked hard on this. So people are in for a treat. So we're going to tease them just a little bit longer. Um, but if Javarius is out there, what more does it add for the receiving core that Coy Moore was able to come back last week against Samford? And now you have Coy and Jay and uh, Javarius and with with the taller guys too, with the bigger guys too. What does mm-hmm. that do, or does it does it have an impact because only so many guys can be out there on the field at the same time? I think it allows you to have a guy that you have to focus on in the slot if Jay Fair's not on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I think Jay Fair is already doing that. I think Jay Fair offers more of a possession receiver than Javarius does. I think Javarius offers more pop. Mm-hmm. So you know, maybe maybe it kind of if you're an A and M defender, which these A and M defensive backs have really struggled this year, to put it kindly, in coverage, you know, maybe it presents more of a threat, like as a, for a seam route or something like that. You know, if you're a safety, you probably got to focus more on making sure he doesn't get behind you. Yeah. And like we've talked about it before, I talk about it on every show that I do. Like the more you make college athletes make decisions, the more likely they're going to be make an incorrect one. Right. And so I think the more personnel groups that you put out there at wide receiver, especially when it's like Auburn's receivers, where they all have different types of skill sets, especially when you look at Javaris Johnson and Jay Fair, both slot receivers, but different. Same with Coy Moore. You put him in the slot and he, he does different things than the other ones do. So I, I think it offers that. I think the threat of variety is something that can help Auburn's offense. Yeah. All right. I like that answer. That That's good. I do wonder about that sometimes because I, it's easy to get caught up in the hype of, well, this guy's back, and now you have this guy, and look, now you have eight options. Yeah. Yeah, but generally three or four of them are going to be in the game at the same time. So what does it offer you? How much does it offer you to have eight options? If you're four, if your top four are really dynamite, do you need eight? Obviously, you do for depth, and I'm, I'm not I'm not saying sure. it doesn't make a difference. I'm, you know, you just try to find balance. Yeah, we've talked about this before with the receivers. Like they uh they targeted Jay Fair 20 times. Yeah. They targeted hooks, what, 12 or 14, I forget. And then they've targeted Rivaldo seven. Everybody else is under that. Yeah. So it's like they know who their dudes are at this sure. point. I think. I think. And, and you know, maybe Javarius, when he gets healthy, they'll throw to him more often. I, I don't know. But um I, I don't expect that ratio to change a ton moving forward, regardless of who's healthy and who's not. I, I think the ratio for Rivaldo goes up. Let me ask you this: Does he get targeted? Let me. See. We had fun with over unders on uh, on Monday. Sure. Rivaldo Fairweather targets against Texas A and M five and a half. Under. He's been targeted seven times throughout three games. Yeah, but really just throughout two, because he wasn't targeted yeah. at all until what the fourth quarter of the Cal game. Yeah, he may have had one early, but you're right. He wasn't targeted at all against UMass. You're so right. That's that's six in the last game and a half. Good point, Brad. And then, you know, the, the only the first half against Sanford actually mattered. So, yeah. you know, we're talking about a game and a half. Who I'm still going under. I think it's a lot of targets in this offense, but yeah. that's right. a good I think that's a good over under. My bookie should be giving you a call. Absolutely. So, instead of me giving my bookie a call, they should be giving me a call. Listen, our audience should be giving my bookie a call for sure. There's no question. There's no question about it. You need to head over to mybookie.ag right now. Don't walk. Sprint to mybookie.ag. They've got cool things with their parlays. If your first few legs of your parlay hit, you can cash out, which is great. Of course, you can let it ride too, make even more money. But if you want to be conservative, you're like, you know what? I'm good. I've already won. I'm up like 300%. I'm fine. Whatever. Uh, That's great. And mybookie.ag. Head over to mybookie.ag right now. And when you make your account, it's free. But when you're ready to make that deposit, use promo code next round. You'll get a little extra cheddar on the house, courtesy of us. Courtesy of us, Brad. That's the kind of people we are. We love taking care of our Village Vice folks, our Village Vice family. So head over to mybookie.ag. Use promo code next round. All right, Brad. Let's jump into stat time. 
Let's do it. By the way, this? are the people who watch our show are they the Vice Squad? Are they Village Vicers? Are they? I don't know. We gotta we gotta we gotta figure that out. Drop them in the comments. What should we call you guys? There you go. What is this family called? We need to know. We need to know. All right. I got five stats for you. Ready? All right. I'm ready. All right. So Peyton Thorne, his best completion percentage splits come against the blitz and while he's under pressure, Brad. He's six for seven, which is 85%. When under pressure for 73 yards, he's 12 for 16 when he's blitzed for 61 yards. So he's more effective and more efficient when he's being blitzed and when he's under pressure. So come on, A&M, bring the house. Is that, is that what I'm hearing? What do you think that is a I'm function gonna... of? Do you, do you think that's a function of receivers just kind of like recognizing man coverage, receivers winning battles, getting open? Is that what, what goes into that, do you think? I think with the way Auburn's offensive line has been protecting him, that by the time he's under pressure, there's probably some sort of um, the play's been going for longer, so he's probably had a little bit more time to you know maybe go to his third progression. Mm-hmm. I also think that's also a product of the RPO. They're reading yeah. a guy, and if that guy comes, they you know they get they go to where he was. I think you saw that with Jay Fair a few times against Sanford. So yeah. I think some of that probably has to do with play call, and I think some of that has to do with the whole throw it where they're not is my guess, and that's what you get in a veteran quarterback with Peyton Thorne. So I thought that was interesting because some people say he's already got getting rattled when he's blessed. I'm like, that is factually incorrect. <laughs> it's factually incorrect. We got numbers. That's Good. right. All right. Our second one, all three of Thorne's picks have come from a clean pocket. So it's kind of the opposite of what we just said. Thorne's been given a clean pocket on 82.7% of his dropbacks, which shout out the offensive line. That's very good. He's thrown all three of his picks when the pocket was clean. The opposing defense also did not blitz on those plays. Two of those were deflected, at least two. I don't mm-hmm. remember the third one, but I know one against Cal and obviously the the one on the first drive against Sanford. And the, the, the third one was a deep throw against Sanford. That's right. Yeah. Which okay. he had all the time in the world, and Jair Shorter was right in front of him. Right. So that one's the red flag. The other two were deflected and arguably while difficult catches because of either the height or the speed of the ball in traffic, Mm -hmm. still those receivers, forget fans talking stuff. The receivers would tell you that's my bad. I got to catch that. Yeah. And free said, it was like one of the first things he said after the game and everybody's dropping their comments. Like, well, dude, he threw two picks against Sanford. It's like, they threw one. Like the other one was not, not like it's not, it's not on him. According to the head coach, the head coach said it. So not just us sunshine pumping. Mm-hmm. All right. Got any more thoughts on that one? I'm moving away from quarterbacks for a second. No, I don't think so. I, I like okay. the decision making. I mean, if you know, if your receivers catch one of those two, now we're only talking about two interceptions. And yeah, that I, I there's nothing there that concerns me from that stat. Yeah. Once again, like look at the reps. Don't look at the outcome. We talked about that after the Sanford game, mm-hmm. as far as like points and yardage, like what's the execution look like? And I think when you do that, instead of just like the box score, which is ironic because we're just listing stats right now, but yeah. um, whatever. All right. So uh, <laughs> I actually tweeted this one out last night, Brad, because I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe it. Dylan Wade, Auburn's left tackle. He's been awesome at pass protection this season. In Wade's 89 pass-blocking reps, he has not allowed a pressure or a sack. Pretty strong. Pretty strong. Um, And when we talk about the one-on-one matchup with Fidel Diggs, 
But they'll dig Dylan Wade. That's going to be a big matchup to watch. NFL scouts will be watching that one too. No question about it. No, that's terrific. And it's exactly the kind of thing that when you, when you back up and look big picture about this staff and their plan for recruiting and their ability to identify, I, it's not that it was a big secret that the offensive line was sort of rebuild number one that needed to happen, yeah. but to go out and, and get a guy that has immediately come in and immediately produced and immediately done his job at the high level at which he's done it in an offense that wanted to throw the ball more, um, that that's terrific. And it bodes well. Now let's look at these next three weeks, Supreme te- next three games, Supreme tests for mm-hmm. Dylan and everybody on that offensive line. But Tell you what, that's a more exciting stat than, you know, giving up two pressures or two hurries through the first three games. Big old goose egg. Love that. Yeah. Yeah, I will put an asterisk that he has had three penalties. So we'll uh, we'll keep that there, too. That's worth noting. Extra gaffers. DJ James. DJ James is off to a great start of the season. His assignment in coverage has been targeted 13 times. Mm-hmm. In those 13 attempts, he's had three pass breakups, an interception, and a dropped interception. That would earn opposing quarterbacks in the NFL a 34.1 passer rating while targeting DJ James. Uh, That's an excellent stat. And to that, I say, go DJ. That's my DJ. I think the DJ has us falling in love again. (laughs) All right. yeah, anything else no on the, anything else on that before we uh, go to the last one? No, I mean that's uh, boy again when you have a guy who's shutting down half the field. He's so good. He's he's, he's so taking good. literally a third of the field away on every play. Yeah, or a dude away. Yeah, or, I mean yeah, it's just... yeah, or or it's now ten on ten. Yeah, it's yeah. Good really curious to see if he follows Anaya Smith around, or excuse me, not uh, Evan Stewart. If he follows yeah. Evan Stewart around. Or if he just plays um, field side or boundary side, I'm curious to see how they use him. Stewart is six feet tall, 175. Anaya Smith, 5'10", 200. I mean, they're not. Yeah, Anaya is more of your slot guy. But yeah, e- Evan Stewart, he's listed at six foot. I don't think he's actually six foot. Like he's but he's Jared Harper measurement there. Maybe, but like he's so electric and explosive. Like yeah. he's he's figured out how to make it work. There's no question. But DJ's a physical corner. So if DJ can get his hands on him at the line of scrimmage, like that, I think that helps Auburn. So. Yeah, I agree. Stewart eleven catches, one hundred forty-two yards against Miami's pass defense. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I don't think my I, I feel confident saying Miami doesn't have a DJ James. Uh, that's correct. Yeah, that's correct. All right, all right. Uh, if you take away quarterback scrambles because those weren't design calls. Half of Auburn's rushing touchdowns have come from running around left end. So Auburn scored 10 touchdowns on the ground this season. Take out the two quarterback scrambles that went for a touchdown. Auburn has scored four of the other eight touchdowns on the ground by running around left end. So Auburn's ran the ball around left end 24 times for 115 yards, four touchdowns, and 10 first downs. That's also the most first downs of any direction. Shout out Dylan Wade. Yeah, again, I was going to say that goes back to Dylan Wade. It goes to your tight ends as well. I mentioned in the, or we talked about it after the UMass game, Brandon Frazier was in for a couple of those yep. uh, touchdowns. I mean, the, the tight ends and Dylan Wade together, 
have done really good work this year on the ground. I wouldn't be surprised, by the way, to see a few called quarterback runs early in the Texas A&M game. I think you got to take it, you know, you got to go behind the guys who have proved to be, to this point, your most effective players. And so, yep, I think early in the game, you see more splits to that left side because you got to establish things behind Dylan Wade and, and that left side of the line. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's not the highest average around left end. They actually do the best running up the middle mm-hmm. as far as like average yards per run. But in the red zone, it seems like they're going or in short yardage situations where they have to convert. They're, they're running to the left. The, and the Sean Jackson run against UMass factors into that some. That was a run right up the middle. The Jeremiah Cobb touchdown against UMass factors. In. You think about the long touchdown runs this year uh, for Auburn and the bulk of the, the, the two or three longest running plays, I think, have come right up the middle. Yeah, that's probably a good point. Good point. So, yep, that's stat time. There we go. I love stat time. There we go. Yeah, it's going to be a weekly segment. Stat time fun time. Um, uh, I think so. I think so. Um, we're going to look forward to stat time throughout the year. All right. All right. Um, let's give and, some folks some love, Brad. Yeah, let's do it. Lance's lock. Lance's lock. If you are using Lance's lock, you had a really good week last week. And as we get set for week three of the NFL, week four of the college football season, SEC play, have you looked at the slate of games this weekend? They just seem to get better and better. You got Ohio State, Notre Dame. You got, uh, obviously, uh, Ole Miss and Alabama. You got Auburn, Texas A&M. You got some really intriguing matchups. You need Lance'sLock.com. You can still get the best price on the monthly packages and the annual packages. Sign up today for the best deal at lanceslock.com. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. All right, so what's your gut feeling? Do you feel better about this matchup between Auburn and Texas A&M now than you did at the start of the week, or has not much changed? Yeah, given the injury news yesterday and the guys who are out there going through Now, look, the practice report wasn't that, yeah, they're all fine. They were out there going 100%. They were right. just participating in some form or fashion. But they have another day. They have mm-hmm. a walkthrough on Thursday. There's still time to get closer to 100%. Uh, The more I look at Texas A&M and those talented, very talented, but youthful offensive tackles, um, I don't think you saw a lot of, uh, because of the way Sanford ran their offense and because of the injury situation, you didn't see as much exotic stuff out of the defense a week ago. I think you see that return, and I think Mm -hmm. that causes problems. And we'll get into our predictions on the Thursday show, but... Yeah, I'm. I am more confident today than I was even earlier in the week. I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, I'm more confident. I still don't think I'm going to pick Auburn to win, mm-hmm. but I, I do feel better about Auburn's chances than I did uh, a few days ago. So we'll certainly see. And like you said, we will uh, put that in our our weekly six pack that yep. we will bring up on tomorrow's show. But in the meantime, Brad, I think that about does it for today's show. That's it. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Remember, everyone has vices. Everyone has vices. Just make sure Village Vice is one of yours.